Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. Winding down the week. Hope you're all doing all right. Uh, it's rough times, y'all. <laughs> We're doing our best. And that's why I'm trying to be as vulnerable as I can to let y'all know that even I struggle at times. I get tired. I get burnout. out. I get overwhelmed. It's a lot we're trying to pull off at one time, you know? It'd be great if the government said, hey, listen, we know that there's so much going on, so we wanna give you the financial resources to be able to take care of yourselves. No, nope, not happening, so we all have to overwork it during, you know, I remember people saying that during the coup. The, the coup, they were like, oh, well, uh, you know, there is a bunch of racist bigots trying to overtake the capital and destroy democracy. Can we get off from work the next day, please, so we can actually heal and process what happened? Nope, of course you can't. Of course you can't. Work, work, work. Burn out, burn out, burn out. It's really unfortunate. So we have to do the difficult work of prioritizing our mental health, and we're going to talk about that in a minute, but I just want to give you a heads up. Question of the Night is up on our Loveline IG page, so weigh in on that. But uh, let's talk about some of the ways we can start taking care of our mental health. We were talking about this last night at the top of the show. So if you want to hear that, you can go to We Are Channel Q, and that's where you can find old episodes of Loveline. Last night's show, we uh, kind of listed some of the things we can do to prioritize our mental health. Let's talk about some of the other things. Look, there are some things that people are thrown around that I think can be used well or misused, and something that comes up often is things like a gratitude list. I do like the idea of that because we want to always be holistic in our thinking that, yeah, some really crappy, scary things are happening, but that doesn't mean that there aren't some beneficial, positive things happening. So it can be good for some of us to allow all of our feelings, feel angry, feel sad. There's no bad or negative feelings. They're just different sorts of emotional uh, emotions and energies, but it can help us to round it out by having a gratitude list. What else is going on today, this week, this month, this year, or in my life that I am happy about, right? But I don't want us to shame ourselves. If you're saying, I don't want to feel gratitude right now, or there's nothing I can really connect to, that's okay too. Because that's honest. There's some days where uh, that would be a very false expression and I don't want to force myself. I'm all about, you know, mental health is about being able to authentically feel and be who you are, right? And that's not what that is. So be very thoughtful about your use of things like that. Um, we also talked about finding people to process your emotions with. I think that's super important and to do that frequently. And like I said last night, if you don't have those kinds of people or relationships in your lives, now's the time to start to try to build that. Start to connect with people in deeper, more intimate, transparent ways. Start to get yourself and them familiar with that. At any point, you can change a relationship, which is maybe a little too superficial and topical to be able to tolerate and value some more depth and honesty. So work on that, right? It's important that we can reorient those relationships. What else do we want to do? Um, we want to delay some things. Now might not be the best time to make some of these big, powerful decisions about things in our lives that are, you know, not able to be 
changed or taken back. Maybe put a pause on discover, you know, discussing moving or a divorce or a marriage or leaving a career, right? Or maybe not, you know, check in with yourself. But now might not be the best time to do some of those explorations or decision making because uh, we're not feeling at our best and maybe our thoughts are a little distorted. Maybe our emotions are a little too things that are a little too overwhelming. Um, I'm also doing this as well. I'm trying to build in some things that I can look forward to. That's a really good way to help you get through some difficult times. Seeing something kind of at the end, a light at the end of the tunnel, like, you know, later tonight, later this week, later this month, or at some point this year, you're going to do this, that, the other thing. That's why I'm trying to build in getaways, breaks, or vacations. Maybe every three months or so. I definitely need that. Um, I just can't look at my schedule and just see it just endless work. You know, I, my purpose on life isn't to just work. My purpose, my mission statement is to liberate and to heal. And in order to do that, I have to do that for myself. And in order to do that, I have to really focus on my own self-care. If I'm burning myself out with work, with media and clinical work, I'm no good to myself or anyone else. And that's not what human nature or human life is supposed to be about. We always talk about staying up on your self-care. You got to do that. Taking advantage of community resources. Um, that was something that was really powerful when I was looking into some of the information on vaccines and you know, how it's being rolled out is I was bumping into a lot of local organizations that have so much that they offer. And I wasn't aware of how a lot of counties or cities have these organizations where if you reach out to them, the department of health, they can help you with, um, insecurity around housing, financial insecurity, food resources, connecting to food banks, counseling, shelters. So take advantage of that. Look at your community resources. They set up these organizations that are there to just help, not to punish, not to shame, not to hinder, but really truly to help. So make use of that. And I just want to close this segment by mentioning it's okay to put a pause or a boundary on conversations around some of the things that are happening culturally right now or in the news. It's okay to say, hey, listen, I just spent the morning watching the news or talking to someone else about that. Can we talk about something else, something funny, something more pleasant? You don't have to, in every single person you bump into in the world, well, I hope that's not happening because we're isolating, but phone conversation-wise, et cetera, et cetera, not everything has to be another discussion about what's going on with um, Donald Trump and everything else. So remember that we're allowed to take a break or put a pause on that, right? We all got to have that friend where we just call them and just laugh and act stupid, Um Otherwise, we're not taking care of ourselves, right? That's part of mental health, right? Not keeping our bodies in a constant state of being triggered or anxious. So remember that. Because uh, we're all in this together. We got to look out for each other, right? We got to look out for how we're impacting others and how they're impacting us. So that's how we do that. So anyway, love, love and light to all y'all. We got a great show planned though. So stick around. And like I said, want to check out past episodes of Loveline, go over to wearechannelq.com. Listen to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com with our first guest, Dr. Josh Capelo. Uh Welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm good. It's Claypo. Wait, what did I say? Capelo. It's like we refuse to pronounce your name correctly. <laughs> I, and you said it with your last name. You're used to it. And if we weren't taping, I wouldn't say a word. But it's... <laughs> I'm sorry. Claypo. Yes. Oh, you know what? I did it wrong. I put the L behind the P when I wrote it out, not behind what? the K. That's my fault. The way, the way I always do it, I know you interview a lot of people. It, I think C L A Y P O E. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. You ready, Carlos? Oh, good? Yeah, sure. Okay. All right. Now we're going to go to our first guest, Dr. Josh Claypo. Uh, welcome back to the show. How have you been? I've been okay, Chris. I've been okay. 
All things considered. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. I'd like to say that things have been smooth since we last saw you. Unfortunately, they haven't. Um, so looking at a stat today, this is actually very disheartening, not surprising. 70% uh, of people are anxious and have stress over the future of the nation and 68% are stressed by the current political climate. So last week we all watched a mob storm the Capitol. So uh, talk to us a little bit about the impacts of that on mental health. Well, I mean, you know this as a psychologist, this is, I hate to say it, it's unprecedented. We have never seen so many layers of stress. And I think that's the, that's the most com complex and difficult thing to wrap our head around is that it's layer after layer and it's new stressor after new stressor almost every day. And, you know, so what you're seeing is people kind of hitting the wall. Uh, and when I mean hitting the wall, they're just physically exhausted because we know what stress does to the body in addition to the mind. And yet every day there seems to be another uh, new stimulus for them to react to. Yeah, and, and you hear people trying to do the uh, grounding and the positive thinking, and we just have to be resilient and get through this difficult time. And then, like you said, it's complicated by having not quite gotten through that, and then something else is added on top of that. So when we talk about the impact that media has, right, because media is the source through which a lot of this is kind of entering our lives and our psyches, how do we maneuver media differently? Well, you know, you hear all the time about sort of unplugging and walking away and stepping away. And, and I'm a proponent of that if that works for you. But in my experience, I'm talking to people who say, look, you know, every day there's breaking news and I, I can't just completely unplug. And so really my recommendation is take time to reset or re-regulate or recalibrate is the term I like to use. That may mean two or three minutes, Chris, of just stepping back. So it's not necessarily shutting everything down but stepping back and giving your brain, uh, as well as sort of your whole physiology time to, as you said, ground, but you don't have to do it for a day. You may need to do it, you know, six times every hour so that you are staying engaged and you're not feeling like you're pulling yourself away and there's this desire to be pulled back because then you create a whole new stressor for yourself. 100%. And it's just good practice anyway, right? We're trying to work on having a little more detachment from that. And I've been practicing that myself because, you know, like, like yourself, we're doing clinical work, we're doing media. And so even if we would have a break, we're talking about it, it's coming in our own lives. So I had to say to myself, you know, I can't help anyone if I'm not helping myself. So I started putting my phone in a drawer. I noticed that if it was nearby, I would grab it by habit. So I had to literally put it in a drawer and close the drawer. I think that's a great idea. And, you know, I, I work with a lot of ex executives and they're all in these back-to-back -back meetings and they're in the meetings themselves while they're scrolling through on their phone, watching breaking news and literally not paying attention to things like drinking water, eating, using the restroom. And what I try to convey to people is this is wearing your physical body down. You layer that with a pandemic on top of it and you're setting yourself up for some big time problems. And so, the idea of constantly grounding yourself, even if you have to do it every five, 10 minutes is really important. The other thing is, and I use this as a marker, if you're not getting your work done or your school done, if you're finding like you can't interact with people around you, if you are so impaired because you're so engaged, that is a big red flag. You should be able to get most of your work done or your schoolwork. You should be able to do your day-to-day -day activities 
If those things are being impaired, then you are over engaged in the media uh, and in the information around you. I love that because we all want to feel on top of the news. Or, you know, knowing what's going on can feel empowering. But you're right. There's a, a threshold where you step into it's working against you. And you're right. It shouldn't have a negative impact on your life. Um, let's talk quickly about kids. You know, it's something I started bringing into the, my, um, excuse me, into my clinical practice where I'd say, you know, notice that the kids are in the room. They're, they're listening. Don't think they're not listening or paying attention. And even if they're not, they're still absorbing some of that energy and stress that the parents are carrying around. So should our kids be watching the news? And if so, how should we approach that with them? Well, you know, this is all very developmentally determined. So when you say kids, you know, it's everything from three-year-olds to 23-year-olds or, or older, depending on your, your situation. Um, obviously, for young children, so much of the information that's coming out that we see, it, particularly visual, is raw. It's unfiltered. Um, you do need to pay attention. Young kids should not be seeing this. And so under age six, seven, eight, they should not be seeing this. But let me fast forward to older kids. I'm in this situation now. I've got college kids who are, who are living with me, my kids. We have to be careful as parents that the conversations that we're having are having an impact on our older children as well. So the negativity, the cynicism, uh, all that kind of stuff has an impact even on older children. So pay attention to what you're saying as well. You may not be able to shield your child from the information, but your body language, your verbal interactions has an have an impact on their emotions as well. Yeah, well said, well said. And as the uh, higher functioning adult in the household, you have to kind of set that tone. Um, and then, you know, this whole buzzword self-care, I know I use it to nauseam. I think it's so important. And so let's kind of bring that word back in right now because we needed it last year, but we definitely are needing it this year as well. So um, what, what are you looking at when you talk about self-care? Because I know one of the entry points I'm talking about to nausea with everyone in my practice is joy and pleasure. Find some fun. Find some joy and pleasure. We're taking everything that's happening around us seriously, but it's okay to take moments away from that and just laugh. Absolutely. And I, I like what you just said because it's a spectrum of, of what self-care is. It's not just spa night, you know, that, I mean, that's great. And that, that's great that you do that. But self-care is also paying attention to things, like you said, joy and laughter, but also self-care is things like bodily functioning, hydrating, making sure your, your breathing is nice and calm, making sure you're moving and you're exercising and your nutrition is good. I mean, those things are self-care too. And what I'm seeing right now, Chris, is not only are people um, getting rid of joy and laughter in their life, they're going the next step down. They're not even taking care of their bodies and their minds at a basic level. So self-care means putting your body and your mind first, making sure that it is working as well as possible, they are working as well as possible, and then trying to do that as a priority given the context of all the stuff that's going on. And if you're not doing that, a red flag to step back and make sure that's a part of your life. I love that. You know, I was watching the news this morning and I'm stealing this. One of the anchors said, you know, right now, because we're home, we're self-isolating, we're doing a lot of sitting. And he said, sitting is the new smoking. And I was like, oh my gosh, that was very powerful. Move your body, stay hydrated, eat food, get outdoors safely. Yeah, that's self-care. It, it, and I like the way you said that because self-care, again, has this idea that it's just, you know, it's just going to be a spa night or we're just going to, you know, only talk about joy and happiness. And those things are wonderful and they're important. But I'm watching people sacrifice literally their mental health and their physical health 
because they're so dialed in that they literally forget about their basic bodily needs. And that also is self-care. If you don't have that, then you can't bring the joy in and you can't have the higher, higher levels of, of, of self-pleasure and self-enjoyment that are so important. Because we got we, we still have a whole year to get through. We <laughs> still got a whole year ahead of us. <laughs> yeah, you remember when everybody said, "I can't wait to 2021." <laughs> Bless 2022. I, I, I will say this, and I you mentioned the word resiliency, yes. and I just want to emphasize that this is something we are living through it, and we continue to do it. But you have to think about this as being in it for the long game, and that's why something like self care and stepping back is important. Because the events are not going to end tomorrow. And if we keep waiting for tomorrow for it to be better, then we're going to wear ourselves down. Live yourself, live your life optimally today and tomorrow and the next day because you don't know when this thing is going to settle down. Beautifully said. Dr. Josh Claypo, thank you so much for being a part of our show. Thank you, Dr. Chris. Have a great night. All right, y'all, time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sex of world and we want you to explore with confidence. All right, y'all, this is a little bit of a long one, so hang in there with me. Hey, Dr. Chris, my girlfriend has just started seeing a therapist. That's awesome. Guys, make it your goal this, this year. Get in the therapy. Get those resources going. So your girlfriend started seeing a therapist and you are so proud of her for doing that. That's awesome. The pandemic was a trigger for really bad OCD and anger problems. Yep, this time has amplified a lot of emotional or psychological struggles. You know, we don't have the resources we normally have. We don't have the distractions. We don't have the joy and pleasure. People are worrying about money, finance, housing. It's going to really trigger a lot of our other issues. So um, know that. she. Uh, anyway, back to her DM. She was a completely different person back in February 2020. Uh, than she was now, but I stayed with her all through it. About a week ago, after she had her first or second session, she blew up at me over wearing shoes in the house, which is part of her OCD. When I told her that I wanted to leave and get some air, she threatened to call the cops, which is a line she has never crossed before. You know what? A hard stop right there. That's not part of OCD. <laughs> and that, So that we're now moving into an escalated threat. Calling the cops on someone is first a misuse of the police system. Please, please stop doing things like that. The, the, there, are, there, are far, there are far bigger problems right now to worry about than you being upset at someone for wearing shoes. That's not part of OCD. This is a very dramatic, I'm, I'm thinking there might be some personality disorder issues or other things going on. Um, that, that, that falls under emotional abuse right now. She's starting to threaten to bring in the police. Like we're, we're bumping into another issue. I'm glad she's in therapy, but she's starting to make the relationship unsafe. I'm, I'm concerned by hearing that. Um, you said you can't get it out of your head. Of course not. She's apologized, cried for days, but at the end of the day, it's a huge line for me. I feel bad, but now she could be affecting my family future. Is it selfish of me to want time for myself and let her figure her issues out without me? Well, based on her mental health, which her crying for days over the police thing, there's a lot more going on than OCD. I'm, I want to call that out. I think there's I'm just going to lovingly say there's a lot more going on. Um, I question when people say things like take a break and let them figure their stuff out. That's going to feel very rejecting and abandoning to her as it, as it should. I really think the better option might be you stay with her and work through, or you realize this person has a lot of do a lot of work to do. And I need to take a break from the relationship as in end it. And down the road, if they want to reach back out, we can talk about it. But those in between, 
what are you saying? You want to still be in the relationship, monogamous, committed, reaching out and staying in communication, but not living together? Like, I don't know what you mean by taking time. Does that mean not speaking? Does that mean just moving out? I don't, I don't know what that means, but if you're going to take time, but stay in communication, then you're not taking time. Um, but I'm worried about this person and I am worried about your safety because if it's escalated to a point where now they're threatening to call the cops over shoes, if shoes in the house are that dysregulating, again, we're working with something bigger than OCD and I'm worried about other ways that this will show up. So you should be concerned and that should be a fine line. And in the very least, I would say to her, listen, I'm glad you're in therapy. I'm sorry you're struggling. I'm here for you. But if you make any other gesture that threatens my safety and security like that, I'm immediately leaving the relationship. Because unfortunately, even though she's struggling, threats like that fall under emotional abuse. And no one has the right to be emotionally abusive. No one has the right to go through your phone. No one has the right to threaten your security, which means your career safety, your financial safety, you know, your relationships. That's a hard line. And so I am thinking that if it happens again, you say, I'm out. And you follow through with that because this person is not ready to be in a relationship if they're struggling this much. It's not p penalizing them. It might feel that way, but it's not. It's the best thing for both of you. If, if your presence is this dysregulating for her, then she can't even handle being in a relationship because you're making her life harder. She can't even get through the day with, with, with knowing that your shoes have been worn in the home. This is someone who's very low functioning. You're not helping her. You're making her life harder. She has to deal with whatever triggers you're bringing in. And she's actively negatively impacting your life. So I'm in service of you saying, listen, I'm giving you the best I can, but if anything close that happens again, more emotional abuse, I'm immediately out the minute that happens. And even that's a risk because I don't know what the next step of escalation is, seriously. And so a lot of people might say it's time to go now. And you can say reach out when you're more stabilized. Um, so that's what you're left with. Let me know how it goes though. All right, y'all, coming up next, funny enough, we're gonna be talking about behaviors that ruin relationships and emotional abuse, threatening someone's safety and well-being like that. That's one of the biggest red flags there is. Listen to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. Welcome back. We're going to be talking about some things that ruin relationships. We are all in so many different relationships all at the same time. So it doesn't matter if it's social, romantic, sexual, parental, familial, you know, work-based. Uh, we don't want to come out of... You know, it's so funny. I thought, you know, we're like, we don't want to come out of 2020, blah, blah, blah. It's like, we don't want to come out of 2020 that way either. We want to come out of these these rough times uh, as robust as possible, as resilient as possible, not really having burned down our relationships. We don't want to look back going, oh, man, I really let the distress or anxiety of all the things that were happening in the world really kind of eat away at something that was important to me. So let's be really thoughtful about that. So what are the things we want to look out for, right? And again, we're first starting with ourselves. We're working on ourselves first. And once we've got that down pat, we can lovingly maybe share it with our partners. Because again, a healthy relationship is one in which you can let your partner know how they impact you, what you're worried about, changes you might want to see happen within the two of you or three of you or four of you or five of you. And um, so we're starting with ourselves, but then we can also share this with our partner. Hey, I noticed that sometimes you, I notice that sometimes we, I notice that sometimes I. Um, you want to be open to feedback. Uh, that's the sign I know when a couple comes into therapy that they're going to be able to do the work and that they can sustain themselves when they're both open to learning about themselves. And I can say, tell me what it's like to be in a relationship with your partner, vice versa. If we're not open to that, well, then change isn't going to be able to come and you're stuck and you're trapped with where you are. 
and there's no such thing as, well, you knew how I was when you met me. No, that's crap. We're allowed to ask our partners to change and grow just like we change and grow and our needs will change and grow. What made sense the first month, the first year, the first decade is not always going to make sense to us. So we have a right to say, hey, I know early on this is how we ran our relationship or early on we allow these certain things to happen. That no longer feels good or works for me. I need to ask for a shift in our relational dynamic, a shift in how we relate, or I need to ask for you to work on some of these behaviors. And that's a sign of, I care about you. I want this to work. And so you have to not see it as criticism. You have to see it as critique. You have to let your partner hold up a mirror and let you know and learn about yourself. That's how we best learn about ourselves. Not while we're on our own and single, but when we're actively in different relationships and looking at how we're showing up, right? We talk about it all the time in a breakup. You look back and say, who was I? Who do I want to be again moving forward? And who do I not want to see myself be again? That's the work, not zeroing in on how horrible your ex-partner was. That's not helpful. That's just venting and vomiting. Great. But who are you? What do you need to change? What do you need to work on? We have to be open to hearing that. I'm always knowing we got a lot of work to do when a client comes in and they just want to talk about what's wrong with all those around them. We have to work on what's wrong with ourselves, right? Because that's all we can change. Uh, We have to also be open to new experiences. As relationships shift and change, new things are going to happen. All of a sudden, a partner got sober. Maybe they're working different hours. Maybe they're working on exploring their gender or their sexuality, and they want to try new things. Maybe they want to try an open relationship. Maybe they want to, again, try exploring their gender presentation. Maybe they want a new career. Maybe they're tired of living in the city. want to be open to talking about these things, but be open to new experiences. That's what keeps relationships fun, new novel experiences. Don't fall into those habits and patterns where we always do the same thing. We always go to bed at the same time. We all know how the weekends are going to look. Every night's a blockbuster night. That's how we start to not feel so exciting about being in our relationship, right? Or being with our partner. We want to have dynamicism. So keep it keep it fun. Keep it fresh. Keep it changing. Try to bring in new experiences and new things. Don't get too comfortable, right? We want to get familiar with newness. Also, one of the number one things I want to remind you all is we got to keep in the stages of courtship. You have to keep uh, attracting. You have to keep romancing. Keep eroticizing your partner. Don't just fall into friendship. Don't just think that flirting and affection and all of that is early relational stuff. And once we've got them and we're married, living together, monogamous, whatever it is, that we don't have to do that work anymore. No, that's when it actually becomes even more meaningful because you want to keep those feelings alive. But we flatten out because we're no longer trying to flirt and attract and romance and eroticize. Well, then no wonder it doesn't feel attractive and romantic and and erotic. We have to keep that alive. That inherently isn't just going to be there on its own down the road. You have to keep prioritizing that and folding it in, right? That's our job. And that's not even hard work. I think sometimes the most meaningful, transformative things are the subtleties, the little notes we might leave, the way we look at our partner or talk to them or a compliment we give or focusing more on them, or bringing home something that they talked about that was meaningful to them, or cooking them something, right? Or letting them watch a show that they want, like to watch that we don't normally, or saying, let's go for a walk. It, it doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to be these grand, expressive acts. It can be these small, subtle things, what you say, how you look at them, how you touch them. And I say, do it every single day. Otherwise, you can drift from that. And the further you get, the harder sometimes it can be to come back to that right? We all need that in our relationships. And if you're not in one currently, you are. You have friendships and family members and you can still do some of this work with them. Clearly, you're not going to be romanticizing and flirting with them, but you can still try to keep deep, intimate, relational conversations where you're letting them know how important they are to you. You're saying things like, I love you at the end of getting off of the phone with a friend. I say that to a lot of my friends, you know, all right, great catching up, love you. And I want them to know that the love and the care is there, you know, and I'll often let them know how important they are to me. 
that's meaningful to them. They get a text saying, hey, I was thinking about how we first met as friends and I'm just so thankful that I have you in my life, looking forward to the next year and all the fun things we can do together. You know, we can do that with everyone in our lives. It's always meaningful to have people show expressions of care, you know? So don't just think that's just with our partners. That's something we can do with everyone. All right, y'all, question of the night, as always, is up on our Loveline IG page. Weigh in on that. And later in the show, we'll be closing out with some DMs. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, now let's go to our next guest, Dr. Dan Carlin, psychiatrist, addictionologist, and medical informatician. I love that. How's it going? Welcome to the show. Doing all right. How are you? Hanging in there. Strange, strange, tough times, but we're getting through, right? Yeah, I just got my uh, first dose of uh, vaccine today. Ah, well done. I'm hoping to get mine possibly next week. Um, how, how are you doing with symptoms? Nothing so far, but it's only been three hours, so it's a little soon. We'll see. Apparently tomorrow is supposed to be kind of rough. That's right. So. <laughs> Good luck tomorrow. Hang in there. Um, so let's talk a little bit about um, combat soldiers. So I was looking at the stats. 52% of combat soldiers that have PTSD suffer from nightmares. Um, and it's interesting. I did something with Vanderpump uh, Dog Organization where they help uh, combat veterans get service dogs to help with different functions. And they never talked about the nightmare piece. So when I saw this article talking about some of the new technologies to kind of focus on that, I was kind of intrigued. So just walk us through that a little bit. Yeah, well, it's interesting. When you said that, I thought maybe you were going to go in a different direction, which is to say that there are actually dogs who are trained to help specifically with uh, nightmares. And, and it's actually the kind of the best analogy for uh, what we do with nightwear is, is the nightmare trained dogs. So we kind of make the, the watch act like, uh, act like one of those dogs would act. But, but look, you know, the, the, the way we think about PTSD and, and nightmares has evolved a bit over the past few years. But from a really high level view, uh, the, way, the way I tend to think about this is that if people can't escape from the memories of their trauma, even uh, while they're sleeping, that creates a really difficult situation where they're having flashbacks while they're awake, nightmares where they're asleep, and there's, there's almost no uh, reprieve from, from the experience of this trauma. Yeah, and we're talking about quality of life, right? I think it's easy for some people to maybe localize that to just sleeping time or time at home, but this is something that impacts friends, family members, someone's ability to hold down a job or participate fully in their lives. So it matters, and you know, you can talk more about just the importance of sleep. So how did this app come to be? It was just born out of the need? So I wasn't involved at the beginning, but the, the story uh, that Grady tells and, and you know, that, that has been picked up as we've uh, gotten some press around the, the FDA clearance is that uh, a guy named Tyler, who uh, was studying uh, machine learning and AI, uh, built it to help his dad. You know, he, he, he saw that his dad, a, a veteran, was suffering from, from nightmares and he, he thought, okay, well, if we can detect and interrupt the nightmares, maybe he'll sleep better. And so it really was born out of, uh, out of a family story and, and someone uh, with a, a special skill set trying to do some good for his father. I think that's really phenomenal. I mean, technology, we are really happy to talk about the downsides and the negatives as far as how it inter, you know, impacts relationships and mental health. But I like seeing its use in this way. So am I correct to understand that the app, it works with um, like an, an Apple Watch, correct? That's right. The, the hardware for this is an Apple Watch. Uh, there's a, an iPhone involved as well. But the phone doesn't do too much. It just sort of serves as the, the conduit for the data to get back and forth to the watch. And the app, the app lives on the watch and, and uh, uses the sensors on the watch to detect the onset of the nightmare and then uses the, uh, the haptic feedback, the buzzing, 
essentially that you feel on your watch to interrupt the nightmare. So, so again, kind of at a, at a, at a high level, it's a really simple concept. Yeah. And this is something that could be applied for other sleep disturbances or disorders, right? Maybe. So we've tested it, you know, we, we kind of kept a, a laser focus on, on PTSD nightmares, right? We, we, we said, look, we've got this thing that we think works in order to get it to people, we've got to get it through the FDA process. And to do that, you have to do research, right? And you got to do research on specifically the thing you want to get clearance for. So we've, we've been laser focused on PTSD nightmares. We have ideas of other things we might be able to pursue in the future, but we haven't done the work yet to, to be able to say that we'll actually work in those conditions. Okay. And for individuals that are combat veterans and want to purchase something like this, where does one go to do so? Our uh, commercial strategy so far, again, small team, uh, relatively uh, little money taken in to do all this is, is, again, trying to do this in sort of an incremental way. Okay. And, and where we've launched initially is in the VA system. So the, the hope is that folks who uh, have seen combat uh, are uh, being treated at the VA and that they are able to ask their VA-based doctor to write a prescription for this. And uh, so far, what we've done for fulfillment there is that the, the device is acquired through the prosthetics department at the VA. So every VA has a prosthetics department, unfortunately, right, and that that's necessary. And, and they are the ones who are able to fulfill uh, orders for, for nightwear. Yeah, beautiful. I like to see where that leads. Um, I'm not someone who's that up on technology, so I'm always kind of the last one to find out. Um, but addictionology, I just wanted to check in on this quickly as well. We're you know, still in the pandemic, God bless, and uh, people are at home, some people with a lot of time on their hands. And so I'm talking a lot to individuals about coping mechanisms. Um, are you seeing a rise in substance misuse or abuse as a result of drinking during the pandemic? Yeah, drinking and, and other drugs. Um, we, were, we were already in an opioid epidemic when the, uh, when the current epidemic started, and that, that has only worsened. There's been uh, re reporting and research showing that, that opioid use has gotten worse during the, uh, the epidemic for um, <clears throat> kind of exactly the reasons you've identified, that folks are, are scared and they're often alone and they, they don't have their usual social outlets, and in many cases, folks don't have the the routines that have allowed them to reduce or or abstain from the substances that they might be using. So so absolutely we're seeing that. And that there's some real concern too that we're seeing uh, worsening of the suicide epidemic, which of course pre predated the COVID epidemic as well. So the, the uh, I think the most comprehensive way that I've heard this put is there is going to be a very long tail of a mental health pandemic that follows uh, even the, the resolution of the COVID yeah, it's heartbreaking. It's, it's what actually drove the creation of this show, just a resource to remind people to pay attention to their chosen cope mechanisms and to track shifts in behaviors and also talk about resources. And that's just one of the ones I'm trying to bring out more because, you know, we laugh and people talk about the COVID martini and, and you know, you know, it's five o'clock somewhere and it's like, that's good. And it's OK to find some joy and pleasure in your life. But we also want to come out of this as resilient and with as robust mental health as possible. So. Um, heartbreaking to hear what you just said, though, about what you're seeing as well. Yeah, and I, I you know, I think for folks who, who have some experience with substance use, usually they, they sort of know where their lines are. Uh, and, and folks who particularly were already in recovery coming into this phase of, of the sort of situation in the world, you know, it's important to remember that, that what your lines were before the pandemic uh, may, may be the same now, or they may be uh, uh, nearer, right? They're, they're, you may be able to engage in less even 
of whatever that risky behavior is before you uh, encounter some difficulties. So, you know, as always, folks should be attentive. And, and if, uh, if you need care or help, uh, one upshot of the change in healthcare uh, during the pandemic is that there is a tremendous availability of telemedicine available and telepsychiatry so that the, the, the barriers to accessing psychiatric care may actually be a bit lower now than they were before the pandemic. So, uh, you know, when, when people are able to uh, reach out, find someone to, to talk to, make sure you're bouncing your ideas about how much substance is okay for you off of somebody who, who's got your best interests at heart. Yeah, thank you for bringing that up. I love that. I was someone who, when this happened, uh, was never a fan of telemedicine. It didn't feel um, the same as sitting in my office with someone, but it's been phenomenal and the work has been more powerful than I could ever have imagined. So yes, please take uh, you know use of that. And at the end of the show, we also will put up some resources. Uh, Dr. Dan Carlin, thank you so much for being a part of our show. Yeah, it's an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for having me and thanks for uh, talking about you know combat veterans and PTSD and uh, we, we just hope that Nightwear can be a small part of helping to, uh, to get folks, uh, you know, sort of put back together and sleeping well. And uh, with good sleep, everything else seems to get better, too. 100%. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your night. Well, Rachel, we are back. Love this, love this, love this. Transgender and Barbie dolls. I'm so here for it. Dolls should reflect the truth of what's going on in our culture. Um, I heard someone say, why is thing, why are things being thrown in our faces? No, we're normalizing and looking at representation and Black Lives Matter trans American Barbie dolls. Yo, my radical feminist love and self loves things like that. Um, God, Barbie dolls are crushing it. I, I, I love how revolutionary they're being. Every, every child, every single child regardless of body shape, size, and ability, has a right to see themselves reflected back in a toy. Otherwise, you're saying to someone, yeah, you don't matter. Oh, yeah, you're disabled, you don't matter. You're trans, yeah, you don't matter. You're black, yeah, you don't matter. And it's not just white, able-bodied people that matter, y'all. So let's be supportive of this. I've seen so many stories of people with different neurologies and abilities, um, et cetera, et cetera, finally feeling something really healing by seeing a model or a toy or something that reflects back who they are. Um, also, let's look at another interesting article. Uh, number one sign, uh, fever and chills and also loss of smell. So people are doing daily smell checks <laughs> just to make sure that they don't have COVID. We laugh, but um, it's actually pretty smart. All right, y'all, time to get to a question of the night. Even as last week, the Capitol, which was under attack, do you think the election has lowered Americans' stress levels? Oh man, that's a really good question. According to Medical Express, only 17% of people said that their stress has decreased since the November election. Yeah, because there's so much more to, to do. There's so much more coming. Trump is still not dealt with. And also Biden and Harris aren't necessarily a solve all. There's so much work to still do. They were just the best case scenario of the two options we had. So again, um, question of the night is uh, American stress levels. First person said the election and all this protesting has elevated my stress. And the pandemic is even worse than in November, so we can't really do anything about it. And that's the situation, right? We're seeing about these new uh, mutations in the UK. We know that people won't be fully vaccinated until deep into the summer. Uh, Trump still has time to do a little bit more damage. We're wondering what's going to happen with Biden and Harris. What will they fall through on? What will they drop the ball on? There's a lot going on. And last year and this year has already shown us, like, just when we think we've seen it all, there's more to come. And so understandably, people are like, look, I can't completely just settle in yet. Someone else said, I had my first full-on panic attack last week. 
this isn't okay. I know. I know. And that's what I'm trying to remind people that a lot of the things they're feeling right now aren't necessarily who they are emotionally, psychologically. It's just born out of the context of what's happening, but that doesn't make it any more, you know, dealable. It's still very scary to be encountering new syndromes, right? And things like a panic attack. Got to be kind with ourselves. That's why it's like we're taking a break from everything. We're focusing on rest, self-care. So I'm telling everyone, like we just can't be expecting ourselves to be operating like it's a normal year, right? We need teachers to know that, employers to know that. We're looking out for our mental health. It is not a normal year. We are dropping the bar 60%. Expectations absolutely have to be different. Somebody else said, um, I think it, this just shows how ugly America is. I know. I've been embarrassed by America. I'm dating someone who's Canadian and their family's like, what are y'all doing? I'm like, I don't even know. You know what I mean? Ameri the American flag right now is so, well, for many people, it's always been very anxiety inducing and never make them feel safe. I I'm full on there, right? Where I, I, being American is not something I'm proud of. It's a freaking mess and it's embarrassing. Our gun laws, what's going on in the government. It's freaking ridiculous. Um, somebody else said, it's just getting worse. My stress has increased 1000%. I know. I know. And again, we haven't been shown that we can let out that, that, that breath of relief, right? Because there's still enough time for more to happen and we have so much to still do. I've never talked this much in my life about the current political situation, but it's so deeply tied into mental health. You cannot separate it out. You can't watch people storm the Capitol building and think that that doesn't have mental health implications. People are watching it. They're feeling unsafe. They have feelings and thoughts. Lives are lost. Like politics is a mental health issue. And that's why I get frustrated and people get frustrated that I'm talking about politics. How can we not? <laughs> it is deeply part of our personalities and characters, right? Somebody else said, it's been a good teaching point for my kids. But no, definitely the way the government is handling these things is making stress worse. It is. But I'm glad you're using it as a teaching moment. Talk to kids about what's happening, right? How do we change it? What do we need to do? Help them make sense of it so they're not scared, right? But also help them understand how to be better. What's wrong with the behavior of what we're seeing? That's important. Uh, we'll stop on this one. Someone said, everything is stressful now. Even going to the store is stressful. It's not easy. I know. Who would have thought that needing to go grocery shopping would have had added levels of stress? How long will the lines be? Will they be out of the foods I need? Will I, will I get COVID while being there? Do I have the money to purchase what I need to purchase? All of those things are things that a lot of us have never had to encounter, or at least not all those levels at the same time. And we have to now. Very scary time. That's why we have to look out for each other. That's why we have to be kind to ourselves, right? Oof, be kind to each other, be kind to ourselves, the people working at the stores, the people shopping in the stores, your family members, everyone is struggling. So when people are popping off or not at their best, Give them a pass, right? All right, y'all, coming up next, DM. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, y'all, time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sexy world and we want you to explore with confidence. Here we go. Hey, Dr. Chris, my name is Tristan and my boyfriend of five years just broke up with me. I'm doing okay, but I'm wondering when would be too soon to start joining dating apps and getting back out there. I catch myself trying to download them, then being afraid and just putting my phone away. I'm not looking for anything emotional. Just someone to talk to would be nice, but then I get too in my head. Well, a few things. Studies show that the length of time between relationships doesn't speak to its health or, or longevity. So it's not about how long you wait. It's about checking in. Are you ready? Because for a lot of people, 
it, it, it's actually very helpful for them to get right back out there dating again. It reminds them that they're desirable. It keeps them distracted. It brings joy and fun in their lives. There's no, there's no magic formula. So not everyone needs to wait. There's no such thing as a rebound. Many people go from relationship to relationship successfully. Other people need more time. But getting into a relationship right after a prior one does not mean it's a rebound and it won't go well. That's not true. And in fact, the studies show that people have higher levels of mental health sometimes getting right back out there. But it can also work against you. You can realize, wow, I'm not feeling desirable being back out in the dating world. I don't feel like I'm matching with a lot of people. I don't feel like I'm that there's a lot ahead of me. And for others, it does. It reminds them there's so many people out there to be dated. You know, So you have to really check in with yourself. Am I in the kind of place to encounter the positives and the negatives? The dating world is intense. So is the hookup culture. And you're saying you don't want anything emotional, just someone to talk to. Maybe you want to flirt, sext. Yeah. There's a lot out there and there's a lot of people right now that are lonely and they would love to be connecting with someone, open to maybe seeing what it can what it can build into. But check in on your dating readiness. And that just means are you are you getting all your needs met? Do you have the resources and the resilience to go up against being disappointed again? Because it's very possible you'll start talking to someone, it really brightens up your day, and then they ghost or they're not interested in moving forward. Can you handle the possibility of another form of letdown or rejection? And if not, then don't step into it. But if you feel like, you know what, those five years I learned a lot, I know who I wanna be again, I know who I don't wanna be again, I really want the company of someone and some attention and some joy in my life, well then get back out there. Take it slow. Check in on how you're feeling as it's happening, you know? But for many people, it's a really important part of the mental health is to get back out there, feel like they're participating again in the world. But some people need some time, and they use that time to reconnect to friends and family members, get back to some hobbies, focus more on career and education. That's cool. It's up to you. You can do a little bit of both, you know? Put one foot in, one foot out. It's really not so black and white, but um, I think you should try it. If you're asking and you're downloading, you're a little bit ready, I don't know what it means when you say you're too in your head. It might mean you're a little scared, you're a little anxious. Yeah, you should be. The dating world, you've been with someone for five years. The dating games, it's rough. It's rough out there. Just be kind and compassionate. You know what I mean? Be honest with people with what you're thinking, what you're feeling, what you're open to. Just don't leave people worse off, right? Because remember, healthy sex and healthy dating and healthy relationships are ones where we make people's lives better for having connected with us, even if it's momentarily, right? Or just for a hookup. We make them feel better off, maybe just neutral. But healthy sex and dating relationships are not ones where us being in their lives, even momentarily, makes them feel worse or bad about themselves, their body, sex, the future. So leave people better off. That's the goal. That's what I want you to zero in on. Ooh, we got a lot of work to do. As I work with people that are re-entering that world, ooh, I know it can be rough out there. But for many, it's a very beautiful process. So let go. Hold it loosely. Don't expect too much. Be yourself. And just kind of see where it goes. Let me know how it is. DMs, as always, are in our uh, Loveline IG page. Drop them on in there, confidential, anonymous. But uh, whatever you're struggling with, we are here for you. And Question of the Night, as always, is up on our Loveline IG page in the story. So weigh in on that. And uh, you want to check out past the Loveline episodes, you want to post them, share them, binge, uh, go to wearechannelq.com. Why there, you can check out some of the other radio shows. They're not too bad. Um, also check out my books, Rebel Love and Sex Outside the Lines. Wrote both of them to help people kind of do the work they maybe would do with me therapeutically. It's also complimentary, supplementary resources to go on that journey of authenticity and liberation, you know, relationships, sex, gender, psychology. But um, anyway, we'll be back on Monday. Uh, but until then, y'all, center your weekend with self-care, some joy, pleasure, Rest, 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 rest. That's what I'm going to be doing this weekend. I desperately need to be sleeping in, turning off the alarm clock, and maybe even uh, trying to cook some recipes. I've been collecting a few recipes. I'm going to 
give them a little bit of a swing. I used to, when I dabble in cooking, which I don't enjoy generally, yeah, I make some interesting things. Anywho, thanks y'all for hanging out with me and y'all have a beautiful, beautiful rest of your night.